Jesus cared for others with love and kindness and generosity. You know, he took that extra step to go to the brokenhearted, the homeless, the sick, and those are the people he targeted. So, you know, we know that Jesus is our provider and that through him he can give us anything and everything. So sharing that with people who don't know that is the most amazing feeling in the world. You, when you see it in their eyes that they get it, that is just a blessing from God in itself. As I understand it, I feel like Jesus showed me, I mean, just personally, but others, if we read in the Bible, a lot of patience. Um, God's love has been, you know, forbearing with us. He waits. He's good to us. His mercies are, are new every morning. And I just, I'm trying to remind myself of that, especially as I interact with others, because it's so easy to see from our perspective. And, and my patience is limited in my strength, but... Um, if I can show patience to others and give them kind of the benefit of the doubt, I think that's a way of showing care. Anybody who, who feels like they're being cared for is going to be open to, I think, what you have to say. And when we're genuine, when we approach them in, in, in our talks and our walks with them, then then they're going to be more receptive to, to feeling um, God's love and another Christian's love. And, start maybe walking that path to discipleship themselves. Discipleship with the women that we encounter is just being a constant presence. A lot of these women we only see one time. We very rarely see them two or three times on the streets. Um, so planting that seed, um, hopefully we just pray that somebody else encounters them that they can water that seed and they can just continue to grow and learn about Jesus. When we're in the jails and we're ministering, we do get a um, longer opportunity to share Jesus um, with the women and we're able to provide them information to contact us when they get out of jail and we can continue a mentorship with them that way. I think people want to see in a tangible way that you um, aren't just all words. They want to know that you know if something's hard that you'll follow up with texts or you'll talk with them or you'll you know if, if it's appropriate bring a meal or do a favor for them um, that would just make their load a little lighter. Um, I think that that shows the gospel. Hey guys, as Jeff said, my name is Josiah and I get the wonderful privilege of working with our students here at Grace. Uh, every Wednesday we have some stuff going on for middle school, high school. And we do some crazy things, so if you've stopped by on Wednesday and seen us doing some, some wacky stuff, we've done things from like taping kids to walls and smashing our faces into whipped cream or, or even like this past week, I didn't even realize it too, like I saw them doing it, but we had, we wanted them to understand this concept of surrendering everything to Jesus and so they would write what they had on a note card and what they wanted to give up 
and they would fold it, and then they would all burn it as a group. So as they're like all gathered in their own small groups, right, spreading across across the parking lot so we didn't catch anything else on fire, right? And they're like all as a group circle around this little fire. I'm like, well, that kind of looks a little cultish, or like, you know, maybe they broke up with a boyfriend or girlfriend, like burning everything they own, like, oh, we're so done with that person, right? So it looked a little weird, but we do all these crazy stuff and fun things together, uh, not just to have fun, but ultimately to teach them more about Jesus, right? Our value over here, we live to make Jesus make sense, and that goes down to the student level as well, and that's why we do those things, and I get that awesome privilege. So up here is a new uh, spot for me, a different spot I've been up here before, but I'm excited to be up here and share what God's been rubbing into my heart all week with you guys. Uh, But that was Christy, John, and Lisa in the video answering the question how they go and care for those around them, right, and then what that looks like um, in their lives. And so that's what this Go series has been all about. We started this a couple of weeks ago saying and talking about how you and I can go and care and share the gospel for the people around us, right? Uh, And when the first week, we looked at two names that Christians are called in the Bible, right? We looked at, first one was ambassadors. We said, basically, that means we're the representatives, right? We're the representatives of Christ, right? We're his reps, okay? So we come and we represent what he stands for. So what he is and who he is, we come to say what he stands for and who he is in that way here to the world. The second term that we looked into and dug in a little bit more was witness, right? And so where we get that English word witness is also where we get our English word martyr, Right? And martyr means you're willing to die for what you believe in for your faith. And so we said, hey, to be called as a, uh, as a witness okay, means that we're willing to, to stand by our testimony for what Christ has done and who he is, even to death, which is a huge calling. Right? It's a huge weight, right? But we're called to be a witness. And so we said through this series, through our ghost series, right, that was the foundation that Jeff laid for us. And we're like, hey, what does it look like to be a witness today? in today's world, and in our lives around us, right? So we built, started building on that last week with these four boiled down ideas that just happened to rhyme, right? So we can throw those up on screen, right? There's prayer, aware, care, and share, right? And so last week, we dug into the first two, prayer and aware, right? Those are pretty connected. So with prayer, and we've talked about prayer before and other series and things like that, but in this conversation, we said prayer was the starting point. We can't do anything on our own. We said we can't change people. We can't change our kids, can't change our wives, can't change our neighbors, friends, or families. Like we can't change them, right? We can't change their hearts, right? We may be able to manipulate their emotions or affect their behavior, but we can't change their hearts. But God can, right? He wants to, and God does, right? And that's where if we wanna make an impact, we have to go to God in prayer, right, and pray to him to ask him to fill us up, but then also send us out and affect their hearts, right? And we also were challenged to pray for our three, the three people in your life that don't know Christ. And some of us know more, some of us, um, we at least know three. And if you don't know three, maybe you should find someone that you don't know Christ, right, that, that doesn't know Christ and pray for them, right? So who have you been praying for? Have you been praying for them? That's what we were challenged with, with prayer. And then awareness, we also said, hey, like, we want to pray that God makes us aware of the needs of others. We said that we're aware of the needs of others because we're different from other people, right? We all have different needs, struggles, and feelings. So instead of being frustrated by how we're different from other people, we should go and lovingly care for those people and then their differences that we become aware of, right? And so that's where we're going to spend some time today, care. How do we actually go? What does it look like to practically care for people? before we share the gospel, right? Um, 
And notice at this point, there's been no action. Right? We haven't actually gone and done anything yet. Right? We've just been, been praying and being aware of what's going on around us. But tonight we're going to talk about the first interactions, right? how we can f- actually go and then interact with people, the action, the caring. Okay? So I want to start with this question. Have you ever been maybe empathetic or sympathetic with someone or just at least felt bad for what they were going through, but they never really did anything about it? I've definitely been there, and I think we all can say we felt bad for someone at some point. And what comes to mind is all the hurricanes that happened and have torn up Texas and, and Florida, and how you see all these people go down there, like take time, take vacation days to go down there and help those people, whether they actually be hands to help them, or even they send resources or money or food, whatever it is, right? And it just makes me wonder what's the difference between just saying, oh yeah, I'm sorry, I I care about you, but then actually going and doing something. What moved those people to go down and care for them? And I don't say that to guilt any of us. I mean, I didn't go. I mean, but what was it that moved them to care, right? And so what I mean by this, and I want to put it in just a really simple statement if you guys are taking notes. It's, It's almost so simple it doesn't make sense, okay? But we can care, but not really care, okay? We can care, but not really care. So before we get into the practical ways that we care for others, I want to give you guys some practical things that we can do. Um, but I think this is the first thing we need to address. Right? How do we go from just saying, oh yeah, I'm sorry, to like actually going and doing something about it, okay? And there's this twofold statement that I want to jump into uh, and, and talk about it and break it up a little bit so it explains this. First part is God breaks our heart. And no, not in the way that like we break up with someone, right? Like, why would I want my heart to be broken? That doesn't make sense. But here's what I mean by that. God motivates us, right? God is the one that fills our hearts, right? That shows us how other people are hurting and moves us out to care for them, right? In a sense, he gives us his eyes, right? He sees people, the pain in their lives, and we can see that when he shows us that pain, right? We see that in other people's lives, Sometimes he gives us his eyes so we can be his hands, right? So we can go care for people in that way. It's not really caring. It's not about trying harder. It's not about like, well, you know, I'm just going to try really hard to care for these people to make our church bigger. Like, that's what it's about. No. It's also not about just doing the right thing either. It's like, well, it was, it was prayer, aware, and then, then care, right? So that's the next one. We should go do that, right? Not just because you should either, it's a heart issue. God wants our hearts to be in this, right? And that's what I mean by God breaks our hearts to do this, right? And it's cool to see the emotions of Christ in, in the Bible at different times. Um, and one of the times that we see one of his emotions and the breaking of his heart is the triumphal entry, right? And there's, uh, he's riding on the donkey and he's coming into Jerusalem and they're throwing their coats down and and the leaves and all that stuff, and they're saying and praising and all that stuff. And we're going to jump in there uh, in Luke 19, 37, if you guys want to look at that with me real fast. We'll throw it up on screen. Um, Yeah, here it is. As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. 
And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they're hidden from your eyes. So he continues on from there. Um, I just wanted to mention that passage and show you, in the midst of this celebration, in the midst of him coming to Jerusalem, he wept for them. He saw the needy people of Jerusalem, their misunderstanding, their rebellious hearts, right? These people would kill him, right? He saw that and he wept for them. He saw their brokenness and their pain and his heart was broken for them. The thing is, it doesn't stop at a broken heart, right? This is the next part of our phrase. God breaks our heart, but a broken heart isn't caring, that may sound still a little bit weird. It's like, well, I'm, I'm, my heart is breaking for them. But here's what I mean by that. In James, there's a whole section that talks about our actions and, and what we hear, right? There's a connection between that um, of, of what about listening and doing, right? So in James 1, he says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says, right? So don't just listen like, ah, oh, that is fantastic wisdom, I appreciate that. No, you apply it to your life. You do what it says, right? So when we care for someone, at least in the way that we're understanding it today, we actually go and do something, right? Letting God break our hearts is the first part. He has to be our motivation, but it doesn't stop there. So that prayer and awareness that Jeff talked about last week becomes basically pointless if we fail or if we just don't go and care for those that God made us aware of. Because then we ultimately won't share the gospel with them, which is our own goal, which is what Jeff will talk about last week. So in answering our question that we first posed, right, how we move from sympathy to caring is this, right? God breaks our hearts so we're motivated to care, right? God becomes our motivation to move us out and to care for others. We don't try harder. We don't do it just because it's the right thing. It's a heart issue. God fills us up and becomes our motivation. Now, I don't want you to hear this as every time that you feel bad, you need to go care for someone. It's not what I'm saying. I have a lot, like my wife's a teacher. I have lots of friends that are teachers. Um, Jeff's a teacher, right? So we have all these people that are teachers and they've said like, I just feel burdened sometimes to care for all my students, which sometimes they have like hundreds of students. Like you, you can't care for all those people. And that's not what I'm saying with this. The thing is, sometimes we're tempted to not care for anybody, right? We just were like, you know what? I don't even want to, people will come to me, right? Sometimes we're tempted not to care for anyone. And sometimes we're burdened to care for everyone. But the reality is, we're called to care for a few. It goes back to that Lego analogy that Jeff used a couple of weeks ago, right? We're all like an eight-piece Lego. It has like those little dots on it, Okay. And if you try and put a 12-piece Lego on top of that, it's not going to fit, right? It's the same thing with our deep relationships. That's what we were talking with it about, is that you can't have, you can only have so many deep relationships, right? Some can have more than others. But we can only have so many people that are pouring into our lives and that we're pouring into others, right? Same thing that goes with how many people we can deeply care for. There's only so many people that we can care for. So don't hear me say we need to go every time we feel bad and we're like, oh my gosh, like, oh, I'm sorry, I need to go do this and this and this for everyone. That'll drive you nuts and you'll go crazy. But the thing is, we're praying for God for awareness to fill us up, to show us who he wants us to care for and send us out in that way. We don't go because we're trying harder or because 
um, we're supposed to, whatever it is, right? God becomes our motivation, okay? So now what? Now we've talked about this heart mindset before going into actually practically caring for people, okay? Last week, my uh, wife and I were driving home from church uh, after Jeff shared with us, and he talked about the, the, he challenged us with lots of questions. And one of the ones he challenged us with was for, from Philippians 2. And so we were talking about that. But he talked about how uh, we are aware of different things due to how we're created differently, right? How we're different from each other, right? That's how God wired us. Some of us, due to how we're wired, are really aware of like the drug and alcohol abuse in someone else's life. And other of us, due to the way we're wired and how we care for people and how we're aware of their needs, we're aware of physical needs, changing people's oil, chopping wood, whatever it is, right? So our differences make us aware of different things. So the question he asks was, you know, what needs of others does God make you aware of due to the way he wired you? So Grace and I were thinking about like, well, we're definitely different, right? So what, what are we aware of that's different? And um, we actually just got married not too long ago and got a house. And this is a picture of us. Um, we're renting a house and we're like in the bottom level. And so it's still a place and a space that we call home. And we love having people over and having people into our home uh, to love, love on them, care for them, and they love on us. And it's fantastic, right? So when people come over, we kind of see it as like a team hosting kind of thing, okay? And so she, she's an extrovert, right? And what she noticed and is aware of is people's need to talk and just be related to. So she's really good at like telling her own stories that like relate to the other people, loving on them and just talking to them and just asking the greatest questions. She's a master at that conversation, right? She's like the, the talk host, I guess you could say, right? So that's what she does and that's what she's aware of. So she's aware of that need and then she cares for it, right? And me on the other hand, I couldn't care for people in that way I'm actually an introvert, so if I tried to do that, I would get cranky and tired really fast, and then no one would ever want to come back over. So we can't do that one. So what, I, what I'm actually aware of is like, oh, hey, his coffee's gone. Or, hey, he needs some more food. Or, oh, man, there's some, something's on the floor. Let me clean that up, right? Or, hey, you need to go to the bathroom? I'll show you where that is, right? So I'm aware of, like, practical needs and things like that. My giftings is act, one of my giftings is acts of service, right? So I'm aware of that need. And I care for that person in that way. So what we realize, and as you probably noticed me saying, we realize this awareness also lines up with our way to care. And this is how I'd say it. We say how we care looks different in different contexts and with different people. So Grace and I cared for people differently than we care, like she cared differently for people than I cared different for people. It's the same people, right? Maybe some of us... Um, might be called overseas, okay? Maybe that's you. I mean, maybe some more of us aren't gonna be called back here at work or even at school. Like students, this is still for you. Like there's a lot of students in here, which is awesome. Um, but this, this is still for you guys. And you guys can make such an impact, right? Even if where you're at, whether that's through your other students or even your guys' as teachers as well. Sometimes it's even a bigger impact when you see a student caring for others, right? And it's almost a bigger impact than just another adult. Like when you see a, a kid or a student care for someone in that way, it's huge. So guys, this is for you too. But say you guys are at school or you're at work or, then, or someone's overseas. Sometimes he calls someone to care for someone differently overseas than he's calling someone else to care at work or at, at school. And then even in your own situation, sometimes he calls you to care for your coworker different than, me, than he's calling you to care for your neighbor. Right? So I say that, in other words, 
We have all these different contexts, many ways that we can care for people. So where do we start? Is there a blanket statement that we can just go, yep, just do that for everyone and it's going to work, right? Not quite, but I think there's some things that we can ask ourselves, some key questions that help self-evaluate, help us see where we're at, what strengths God has given us that we can use then to care for others, okay? Um, But obviously the first, the starting point is last week, right? So go back in time, it's last week. Or you can go online, which most of us can do that rather than go back in time. But going online, we can see how we start with prayer and awareness, right? Start with that prayerful relationship to see where God wants you to go, where he wants you to care for people, how he wants you to care for people. Because he knows the greatest needs and he knows what your strengths are and how you can care for others, right? That's the starting point. But I think there's some other key questions. And these first one, I started talking about it a little bit already, but here it is. What are my talents or gifts? What are my talents or gifts that God has given me that I can use to care for others? And the story I just shared about my wife and I, I said I have the, the spiritual gift of, of acts of service. Right? That's what I feel joy when I do that by just helping other people with the small things. Right? I serve people. I love doing that. And just even it's like cleaning up, doing certain things, helping them out in any way. Like that's my gifting. Right? And Grace, she's really good with conversations and things like that and encouragement. That's her gifting. Right? So what is your gifting? Maybe you've never actually thought about that before. I don't even know what spiritual gifts are. There's actually, there's four main passages in the Bible that talk about spiritual gifts. And there we can throw, they're up on screen right now. Um, so if you want to jot these down to, if you want to dig into this a little bit more. Um, but Romans 12, 6 through 8 mentions like prophecy, servanthood, teaching, or leadership. The first Corinthians passage, there's one uh, at the beginning of the chapter at the end, talks about helping or assistance. It talks about administration, wisdom, discernment. And then Ephesians 4, 11 through 12, adds on evangelism and shepherding. And that last passage there is actually what I want to dig into uh, right now after this. So hopefully you guys got those jotted down, and then we're going to look at 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11. We're going to throw it up on screen so you guys don't have to flip there um, because we're all over today. Here's what it says. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Christ Jesus. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. So right there, it says that our gifts are for others, right? To use, to serve, help, and care for others. And we're already starting to see our second value. When I pointed out that first value, the second one is we live to give, right? And that doesn't just mean money. That means our talents and gifts, and you'll actually see this come up in the next couple of questions as well, right? We live generously, right? Whether that's with how God's equipped us, and we'll see in the next couple of questions what that means as well, right? So maybe you're wondering, well, I don't really know what my spiritual gifts are. Like, I've never thought about that. As Jeff mentioned, you even said I was going to talk about this, is the shape class, right? We have our shape class coming up next week, which is super cool, the timing of this, but it, like he said, it talks about the shape of who you are, you get to find out how, you, how God wired you. And the first thing, one of the, the S there stands for spiritual gifts, right? And so in the class, you take this, not like a test, because nobody likes tests, but this like, evaluation, really, of yourself. There's no wrong answers. You're just figuring out how God has wired you and what your spiritual gifts are. Sometimes you have several. 
um, and you have some that are stronger than others, but you can figure out what those are to see how you can plug in here to see how you can care for others and what that looks like. So it's super cool and really helpful, okay? So if you're interested, check that out. There's more information in the program. But now I wanna give you guys an example of what this looks like, of this whole process we've been talking about. So say you've been praying, right? Been praying for God to fill you up, praying for him to make you aware of the needs of others, and he does, right? He makes you aware that someone is going through a really hard time that you run into, right? Maybe they're depressed or something along those lines. But your gifting, let's say, is encouragement, okay? So to care for that person, you write them a letter, you go say some words of encouragement, you just, you're with them, right? Just being there in the, that hard time, right? You fill in the blank, encouragement really isn't my gifting, so I don't, you know, there's so many things you could do with that, but that you use your gifting to care for people, right? It's a little bit of a snapshot, or maybe let's say you have some more, I think talents and skills was the other thing. I think they're a little different than spiritual gifts, but I think we can also use our talents and skills to care for other people, right? Like plumbing, electrician, maybe woodworking or building, right? If you're good with an instrument or a sport, like there's so many things that you're good at that you can help use to help other people, right? So for example, uh, I don't know if you guys noticed, but we have this big like wooden thing on our property back there. It's not our, it's not our playground. Is this thing. Go ahead and look at it on your guys' way out. But some of you might know what this is. But other of you guys are like, what? what? It's a Gaga pit. That's right. It's a Gaga pit. And you're like, what? Gaga, what? <laughs> no relation to Lady Gaga, I promise. Okay. But it's basically dodgeball inside that shape. Okay. And you're trying to not get hit from the knee and below. Right. And so in our next picture, you see our students running around inside trying to not get hit from the knee. If they get hit, they have to hop outside and they can try and get back in by hitting other people, okay? But it's, it's a blast. We have some kids that are really good at it and they beat me all the time, but I still have fun, okay? It's all about having fun, not about winning. Um, but it's great, a fun time. And the thing is, someone used their gifts here at church. They used their talents of woodworking and building to put that together to care for our students, that's just one example. Maybe, maybe you're good at an instrument or sport and you can use that to give tips or lessons to someone else, right? The list goes on and on, right? But here's the thing that's definitely wrong. Everyone has, no, you don't not have a gift or talent. Bad way to say it. But in other words, sometimes we're tempted to think, yeah, you know, I'm not gifted like that person. Like, I can't sing like John, so I might as well not even try, right? Or I can't do this like this person. Or, well, I'm good at this, but no one likes this. That's not true, okay? Like, we're called the body of Christ, right? The thumb, it's the body of Christ, so it's, it's an imagery. The thumb can't always want to be the hand because the thumb has a function that the whole hand doesn't. And if the thumb's not a part of the hand, then it can't function properly. God made each of us unique with our own gifts and talents and skills that don't look like someone else's because he's called us to care for people in a different way. Yours not gonna look like someone else's because that's not the way God wants you to care for people. So your gifts and talents are gonna look different. Don't try and compare yourself. That's definitely one of my struggles. It's like, oh, well, he does that so well. I don't, why can't I do that? It was like, no, you're called to do this, okay? Whatever it is, right? So the list of caring for people is endless, but I think the first question that we can ask ourselves is what are my talents and gifts? What am I talented with? What am I gifted with, right? And ask ourselves to use that to care for others. Back when I was living with my parents, which really wasn't that long ago, because I got married like three and a half months ago, so 
Makes me feel like I've been adulting slightly longer, I guess. Back when, four months ago, when I was living with my parents, um, we had a neighbor that grew a garden. And um, you guys know the five love languages? Yeah? There's like physical touch, words of affirmation, a bunch of those things. You know they missed one? Yeah, food. Food is my love language. So if someone gives me food, makes me food, whatever it is, oh, I feel so loved, right? I feel so loved when people give me food. And so we have this neighbor that had a bunch of fresh food, and my mom was actually a health teacher. And so she grew up like teaching us to have a variety with what we eat and to eat healthy things. So all these fresh fruits and veggies, I was like, oh my gosh, yes. So I really loved that kind of stuff. And what he did, instead of selling his produce, giving it to family or other neighbors, he gave it to us, right? And now my family is actually, you know, it's not a small family. We have a bunch of us and there's usually, and we've had foster kids in and out of our home and different people coming in and living with us for a time. So we always had a lot of people in our house and we had three dogs, which was like a zoo. So we had lots of food that needed, or we needed lots of food to be eaten. And he realized that and saw our need there. And to care for us in that moment, he used what he was blessed with to care for us. So our first question is, what are my talents and gifts? Our second question, I think, that could help us is, what am I blessed with? What has God given you and blessed you with that you can use to care for others? And so what comes to mind when I think of blessings, right, is back in James, this time in verse 17 of chapter 1, and he says this, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Right, so right there, every gift, every blessing, right, is from God in the first place. It's not even our own. Sometimes it makes you wonder how selfish you have to be to, to not want to share those blessings, to share what God's already given to you. And I think that goes along with our paradigm that we've talked about before, right, as our spiritual maturity increases with our selflessness, right? We said as spiritual maturity increases, selflessness increases, But we also said the reverse was true. We said as spiritual immaturity increases, selfishness increases, right? So as we become more spiritual mature, in other words, as we become more like Christ, who is completely selfish, right? Selfless. He gave away his life, the most selfless act. As we become more like him, we also become selfless, right? And willing to use what God's blessed us with to care for others, right? So what are you blessed with, right? Take a second and think about that for yourself. What am I blessed with, right? This could be material things, right? Such as a home or a house, like I was talking about with Grace and I. We have this home that we want to bless people with. Or money or food or resources, right? Or a wood splitter, like from last week. Jeff had, he had to chop down these trees and chop up all this wood that would take him hours. But his neighbor came over and made that like 20 minutes work, saving him all this time, right? Sometimes we have things that we can use to bless others with in that way. I also think there's some immaterial things that we can bless others with as well. The thing that came to mind for me was, was time. Sometimes God gives us time to bless others. And the passage that I thought of, or the time really that, that this all came together with was Job, right? He was going through so much pain and suffering. And his friends didn't come give him anything or say anything to him. They just sat there. And so in Job 2.13, it says, Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights, which is a long time. No one said a word to Job, for they saw that his suffering was too great 
for words. Right? Sometimes God blesses us with time just to be with people, just to show up. I had a soccer coach in high school. Um, the high school I played for had uh, a really good soccer program. Uh, we actually went to states regularly. We went to the finals game almost every year. Um, and they had three teams. They had a JV team, uh, and they had what we called a white varsity team. And those guys would go together like normal soccer teams, sports teams, and go together and play other normal schools that we would play in our area. But we also had what we called a blue varsity. And our colors were blue, white, and black. So that's what we call them, our blue varsity. Right? They're like an elite team that they had because we, we attracted a lot of good soccer players. And what they would do is we would go out of state, we would go to other Division I schools, which were actually like a Division II or III, right? We were right on that border. So we weren't a big school, but we'd go and play these bigger schools and talented places to prepare us for the final game, right? We, our coach would do that intentionally. But the point is, it's a really good soccer program, and everyone wanted to be on that blue team, right? I was like, oh, yeah, that is definitely my goal. And you wanted to be the MVP, right? You wanted to be the person that scored all the goals, that was popular, and everyone knew that they were amazing at soccer. Right? That was my goal, right? I wanted to be the LeBron James, but in the soccer world, right? So where the team knew that you knew if, if that guy wasn't there, probably going to lose. Or like, he scored all the points, did all the things, he was really good all around, right? I wanted to be that person, but it wasn't. And that's why my coach sat down with me to talk with me about this frustration that I had with my role on the soccer team. I was actually on the practice team. So there's the starting team, and sometimes this applies to multiple sports, but you have a starting squad. And usually when you practice with that team, uh, in your practice with the rest of the team, you, you try and keep some of your starters together, at least for some part of the practice to work on your team chemistry. Um, and so I was on the practice team that would train against the starters. So that meant I was facing the best players on the team. And that was so annoying because I would get humiliated every practice being like, I'm trying to prove myself to the coach, guys, so I can start. And you're megging me every game which, or every practice, which you guys don't know what megging is. It's basically when the ball goes through the middle of your legs and they get it on the other side. It's really humiliating in soccer. Like, and then what happened to me all the time, okay? So I felt so humiliated. I was frustrated. I was like, why are they doing this? Like, I'm just going to be on this team forever just doing this. I'm never going to get on the starting squad. Like, what is the point of this? And what stood out to me, this, what he told me, like, changed my life. It changed not only how I played soccer, but how I lived my life as a Christian. But what was cool is he sat me down and he said, hey, I was in your exact shoes. I was like, whoa, wait, the coach of this awesome soccer program was where I was? Wait a second. And so then he shared what he learned from his experience. And what he told me was, kind of what we've already said, right? He said, play your role to the best of your ability. And that goes back to the whole body of Christ idea, right? Do what you're created to do the best that you can, right? The thumb's gonna do his best job to be a thumb so that the hand can thrive and the whole body can thrive, right? If you're back in the soccer metaphor, the goalie is the person that stops all the goals. The goalie can't be the person that wants to be the goal scorer on the other side of the the field because then he's going to go and no one's going to block the net, right? He's going to miss his role. So he said, play your role to the best of your ability, right? So that blew my mind, changed my mindset, my focus, everything. But I share that to say, to care for me in that moment, he shared his experience with me. It took like 10 minutes, if that, it was probably less than that, to do that. It's all it takes sometimes, 10 minutes. Do you have that time to just stop and share with someone your experience? 
So those were our first two questions. What are my talents and gifts? What am I blessed with? And this third one, what are my experiences? What are my experiences? What has God brought you through and taught you in those experiences that you can use to care for others, right? So, and I think we actually see this in the life of Paul, right? So Paul had lots of positive and negative experiences, right? So he was uh, like one of the highest Pharisees, really good, really good, um, really good education, um, and he eventually had an awesome transformation story, right? and he got blinded, and then he eventually had this amazing repentance and dramatic life change. He had three years of training and maturing in Arabia, and eventually becomes one of the most impactful missionaries of that time. So all these positive experiences. But he also had a lot of negative ones, too. After he became a Christian, lots of people tried to kill him. He was almost stoned, faced imprisonment. He had many near-death experiences. But what does he do with all those experiences? Well, Paul cares for others with his experiences. He uses experience to care for them. He cared for people and discipled, mentored people like Titus, Luke, Timothy. Those might be some names some of you guys recognize. Then there's other people that he influenced, like Tychius, Epaphras, Articus, right? Those are a little trickier to say. I'm surprised I got those. But he, those are the six known people that he heavily influenced and discipled. And the point is he used his experiences of what he learned, both positive and negative, to care for them, to teach them, instruct them. And I think we can also use our experiences to care for others. So ask yourself, what has God brought you through and taught you in your experiences that you can use to care for others, to instruct, to motivate, to encourage. This can be great and positive things, like coaching advice, right, from a coach, or as a coach. The joys of raising kids, or uh, just regular life advice, aka adulting, I'm definitely appreciating any adulting advice I can get at this point. Or career success, whatever it is. There's also some negative experiences that we could also use to share. Some of you guys have been through some really, really hard things. Maybe you're currently going through something really hard. That's the loss of a friend or family, struggle with addiction, divorce, depression. You fill in the blank. The thing is, we can use those things, positive and negative, to care for people, whether that's we teach them something, what we learned out of it, or we just simply stand by them to care for them in that way. So those are the three questions. What are my talents and gifts? What am I blessed with? And what are my experiences? Now they're not completely inclusive, right? They don't have everything under those umbrellas, but then it's not like they don't overlap either. But I think those are a great starting point to seeing how we can care for others, right? And no matter what way you decide to care for others, there's this one unifying theme, right? And we talked about it at the beginning. Do you remember the passage we dug into? We talked about Jesus, right? And how his heart broke for the people of Jerusalem. But, but we said, well, your heart breaking isn't the end point, right? A few days later after Christ, uh, a couple days later after he wept over Jerusalem, he did the most caring act ever. He died for them. After he wept, the people of Jerusalem, he went and did something about it. He went and died for them. He went and died for the world, for us, for you. Right? So his choice, his act 
to go, not just let his heart break, but to, to go and care for people by dying for them also motivates us to go and care for people today. See that? It blew my mind, right? And we've been saying it this whole way, the whole time. We say it in this context, the gospel drives the way we care for people. And we've been saying this for several months now. The gospel drives everything we do. And if we can really understand that as Christians, we'll see how central that is and so how that drives us for everything. Seeing what God has done in our life, seeing how he cared so much for you, knowing your goodness and your bad, ugly, gross stuff in your life, saying, yeah, I still love that, and still went to care for you that can motivate us to care for others. I know we recapped a lot of what Jeff said, um, but remember him talking about the prophet Isaiah and how he's you know, in the throne room or whatever, he's in the presence of God, and they're saying, hey, whom shall I send? Whom shall I send to my lost people? And you can picture him standing up and raising his hand and shouting, send me, send me! Guys, are we saying the same thing? We're saying, hey, send me to care for the lost and to ultimately share the gospel. I right? care for them in the best way that we can by sharing the gospel, right? So we're at the action step, right? The rubber's meeting the road. We're going out, we're caring for people. Will you go, will you go care for people? Let's do this, guys. Let me pray.